Welcome back to another Teeing Off Golf Podcast. This is John Borneman here in hot as hell Chicago with Matt Harness. Matt, how's it going? Uh, good, yeah. It's well, inhospitable environment here with no air conditioning. But yeah, we're doing this in my, my apartment. Uh, yeah, no, no air. But for those of us without big bushy beards, it's it's okay. Yeah, if uh, if you hear John shriek, that's me taking my pants <laughs> off. That's disgusting. It's uh, it's U.S. Open week uh, on the PGA Tour, so we thought we'd do a quick uh, little U.S. Open preview podcast that will, as most of our podcasts do, come out shortly after the start of the U.S. Open. Uh, um, we got uh, a nice interview later on. Uh, Matt caught up with Eric Marcus, the caddy for Nick Hardy, local hero Nick Hardy, who is again qualified for the U.S. Open for yeah. the second year in a row. Yeah, Eric is... You know, they grew up together, same age, both graduated Glenbrook North the same year. Eric uh, goes to University of Arizona. But, yeah, he was uh, he was great. I mean, we talked for, you know, 20 minutes. Um, some good – caddies tend to have some pretty good stories, you know, tell and offer a little bit different perspective than a player who's so focused on, you know, winning and, you know, hitting good golf shots. I mean, the caddy can sort of step back and, you know, and maybe not, maybe enjoy the moment a little bit more, and therefore you know talks a little more freely. But no, he was. And we've had Nick on the podcast before, and uh, anyone who's heard that knows he's maybe a little more focused on golf than most. Right, right. But yeah, no, he was uh, great. Yeah, I caught up with him Monday after uh, their first uh, practice round out there, and as uh, anybody that you know watches a golf channel or reads about golf. Uh, he confirmed that Oakmont is as hard as everybody says. <laughs> I mean, if you've seen any of these Instagram videos or think about people dropping balls into the rough and they just completely disappear, he said those are all true. They're not staged in some, you know, high grass 50 yards off the fairways. Like, that's just off the fairway. We talked about the toughest courses we've ever played last week a little bit uh, on the podcast and. Uh, I mean, certainly think, seems like everyone's expecting a, a really difficult tournament this this year, Matt. You just told me before we started recording that the uh, the over under is what two two and a half over par. Yeah, two and a half over par, and you know I think Spieth said over par will win. Uh, Eric Marcus, you know, said definitely. I think he said something maybe like you'll, as you'll hear three to seven over par wins. That seems extreme. I think it's, I feel like they, these guys are so good. Yeah. Somebody's going to hit the ball really well this week and putt well enough to get under par. I mean, because it's not overly long, maybe like 71, 7,200 yards. I mean, there are, uh, I think, three par fours, and maybe we mentioned this last week, that could be considered drivable. And the fairways, they say, I mean, you can putt on these fairways. You're that fast. So, we've got, I mean, if it's firm and fast. And, of course, the ball can also hit the fairway and run into the rough. Right. In some ways, that actually makes the fairways more narrow. Sure, sure. And, and the, the pitches of the fairways are difficult. Uh, Mark, Eric, you know, as you'll hear, will say that you, you have to hit very specific spots on the fairway or, you know, risk the ball rolling into the rough. But, I, I, I mean, these guys are so good. They hit the ball so far. They hit the ball so high, um, you know, coming into the greens. I, I, I'd be hard I just to think somebody's going to shoot over par. Um, and we'll and like, I, you yeah. know, I, I would guess I would take right now even par or even maybe one under. I feel like wins it, it. a lot of times you come into these tournaments and the, 
the players, and it's probably in their best interest to really sell how difficult it is beforehand because then the scores come in, you know, you can easily say, well, look how tough it was. I mean, Bubba Watson's probably already got his stuff packed ready to go home on Saturday morning. He only morning. brought two sets of clothes. <laughs> right. Thursday, Friday. His, <laughs> what do they call them, the, where when they lay out their four outfits for the week? Right, he's only done two. I think he only does two for, for U.S. <laughs> Opens. He's, but this is my dad's favorite turn. My dad loves when professional golfers go through hell. Um, <laughs> it definitely is a bit of torture porn for those of us who like to watch uh, professional golfers look a little bit like we do hacking on the weekends. And this is probably, you know, the Hall of Fame of if <laughs> we're using torture porn. Because, I mean, this golf course, again, it's not they're playing it about the same length in the same conditions as 2007. I mean, that's, you know, a million years ago in technology terms. There's no, I don't think there's any water, you know, on this course. Hopefully drinking water. There are what they, there's, I think I heard on the golf channel, 72 ditches. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, but for a golf course to be this hard with no water, I mean, it just tells you just the sort of extreme design uh, that it is. So, I mean, I'm, I always look forward to, you know, the U.S. Open. Um, each time. You know, last year was a little bit different because it was a new golf course. Nobody really knew much about it. The, of course, the story was the burnt-out greens. But this is, this is your classic U.S. Open. So as, as we sit here and say that there's... It's, as we sit here and say that it's unlikely that anyone will shoot over par to win this tournament, I'm looking up the 2007 results, which... I kind of knew what happened in that tournament. I knew uh, Angel Cabrera, Andrew Cabrera won. Uh, he won at five over par. I think of the nine, or excuse me, eight U.S. Opens there, I think the lowest score is five under. And, you know, he shot three decent rounds. He had two 69s and a 71, a 71 being one over par there. He, and he had a 76. Uh, so only one really bad one, but uh, beat oh. Jim Furyk and Tiger Woods by a shot each. Um, shooting 69 beast. on the last day. Coming back, uh, you know, Tiger shot 72 that last day, uh, three or two over. So. Well, they say Jim Furyk kind of threw it Is away. Is that the one where he hit the massive snap hook coming down the back nine? No, I believe that was <laughs> Wingfoot or Olympic. I don't know. It wasn't Oakmont. Uh, Oakmont, this uh, 71st hole, let's see. Uh, drivable par four uh, still will be, and he hits it in the left row. So this sort of gives you an idea. I mean, he drives it about green high left, but the rough is so you know gnarly that he, that he can advance it even with a wedge like ten yards and still in the rough, chops it on the green and makes bogey. Um, and they say that that was probably the he lost the tournament right there instead of. You may be playing it a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. So you, you'll see some guys. And, and, I mean, it's, what, a, what a great hole to have at 17. You know? Yeah, sure. Risk, if you're risk coming, reward. Yeah. Well, say you're down two shots. I mean, you know, you could possibly make a birdie, and then the guy's playing a little more conservatively. I mean, Eric will, will tell you that it's – and people will say it's not that easier laying up. Right. I mean, the fairway is so difficult to hit. You're almost – I mean, he said, yeah, he's like, Nick was, you know, just bombing it, um, you know, at the green just to sort of see the different lies that you get. There's a huge bunker, a short right that I think is like 10 feet below the green. So it's not exactly one you want to be in. 
but know, as opposed to being in the rough around the green locations, yeah. I mean, he's again, U.S. Open. You always hear the pros would much rather be in the bunkers for sure, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a mon- they somebody dubbed it Oak Monster, which is pretty good. The first hole is four hundred eighty-five yards. Oh my god! And I mean, somebody was like, I could very easily make triple bogey on this hole. Imagine doing that at the U.S. Open. I mean, well, that's you're what happened. Three over. That's what happened to Aaron Badley when he was the fifty-four hole leader in two thousand seven. Open with triple shot eighty. Oh, there you go. And blast from the past, Anthony Kim shot sixty-seven on the final day. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure he will. Somebody did find him. Yeah, I would be surprised if he even knows it's U.S. Open week. He might not. But it's, yeah, I mean, it, it starts off, you know, like a punch to the face. It doesn't uh, stop punching you. And eight, you're 17 is the drive par four, but you can get in trouble. But 18 is like 480-something yards, maybe 490 yards. Although they did say Dustin Johnson during the practice round hit driver sand wedge. And that kind of brings me to the next point is that is this just a case of who, you know, the guys who can drive the ball well, uh, you know, guys like Dustin Johnson or, you know, it's, I'm, it's silly to say like, oh, is, you know, Jason Day like a good pick, but a guy like him who drives the ball long and if when he's on, I mean, he's driving it with pinpoint accuracy. Yeah. Are those just the guys who you expect to, to rise to the top, you know, in, in this event? I think, I mean, for sure. And you got to putt well because these greens are huge and you have to be in the right spot. They said there were 550-some-odd three-putts in 07. Wow. Um, so you got to, yeah, you got you to, it all starts with just putting the ball in the fairway because if you're not, if you're in that thick, you know, rough, you're I mean, done. It, it's, it's, a, it's it is a stroke penalty. It's like hitting it in the water. Yeah, it's a stroke penalty. So, yeah, I mean, then, then fairway, and then if you can hit it, you know, as far down the fairway as these guys like Dustin and and uh, Day and, and McElroy, then you have a huge advantage when you're you know hitting shorter irons and in, into these uh, into these greens. So yeah, I think you're going to see that your you know your usual suspects um, at the top. Dustin Johnson's a, a good pick. I mean, if he can, his problem is always on the greens. I feel like I pick him for every major. If but, he can uh, putt just. A fraction better than he has in majors. I mean, he he's the guy. And is uh, it possible that you know, due to his ability to just hit the driver around, that he'll just have more birdie putts than anyone else? Somebody, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, the more chances you give yourself, the better. Somebody was saying that you know, Dustin's problem also is he plays very aggressively early in tournaments and it gets him in great position and then he starts pumping the brakes mm-hmm. you know it, during the late rounds and, and that's what sort of gets him in trouble he, you know it's I, I guess sad to say I mean he might just think himself out of a tournament <laughs> uh, it's just you know sort of stick with but, but putting has you know sort of been his uh, Achilles heel um, at big tournaments like this Phil I like Phil Mickelson um, in this, you know, it, it might be, you know, one of his last best shots at completing the career Grand Slam. He's certainly running out of chances. Yeah, he's 46. He, he turns, I think, 46 tomorrow. Share a birthday with me. I'll be 41. Oh, is this is your birthday podcast? I have zero majors. Wow. Um, <laughs> You're running out of U.S. Open chances as well. I, I am running out of U.S. Open chances. But he... He sort of has that sense of history. I mean, remember when he had zero majors, and people are starting to think, well, Tiger Woods is going to win all of them. And all of a sudden, you know, he, he wins five majors. 
you know, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if he won. I mean, he needs you know a special week. It would surprise me. Putting, it would surprise me if he. He's won. been putting really well, and he has that imagination that you want at a golf course like this. You know, the different shots. There's a lot of shots you can run up onto the greens, and you know his just short game is is always very good. Uh, he, I think he was like 25 to one. I took him. Hideki Matsuyama, I like. They were saying because his putting stroke is so sort of fluid, like it's not like those uh, jabby strokes. It just works really well on super fast greens. Um, but I mean, Jason Day, it's, he's the favorite for a reason. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's been that, in a bit of a lull. It's, I don't. It's not quite to the level where you know it was like Tiger versus the field in terms of betting. No, but if you're picking one guy to win, uh, you know, regardless of odds, you're gonna. If I had my last hundred bucks and they said you have to pick one guy, I'm picking Jason Day. Right. To oh. hopefully get me to the next day. <laughs> in which case, then you'd be paying two hundred dollars. Yeah. The next day. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's who I would take. But you know, Spieth is. There, I mean, his ball striking hasn't been terrific this year, but he seems to save himself you know, with a great short game and, and good putting. But so, is that who you like, Jason Day? You know, well, I mean, obviously, as I said, we're going to toss. I'm going to toss Jason Day out just because, you know, regardless of so how you like think Tiger. how you think he's slumping. So uh, wait, when you had to pick, but you couldn't right, pick Tiger. But you couldn't pick Tiger, right? So, I like I like Dustin um, for sure. Uh, but I'm going to pick Ricky Fowler, even though a couple missed wow. cuts. And I feel like, so for me... What has he done? Well, he's got six top tens this year. He missed a couple cuts since, uh, since a, you know, his last... He had a top five at the Wells Fargo. They missed a couple cuts. I think he's, in the last five majors, I think he's missed three cuts. So my thing is, first of all, he's right on the edge of the top ten in total driving. Tied for 11th. So he's a guy who can, you know, get hot with the driver. And a major doesn't start until Ricky makes a triple. And So you think he's going to make one on number one? I, I think, you know, <laughs> I think starts. in a tournament where there's uh, going to be a lot of big numbers, I'm picking a guy who's used to shaking them off and, uh, you know, could probably win a tournament around four, five, six over par because, you know, I just keep plugging away. That's also why I like Dustin Johnson because he can come out and make ten on the first hole and shoot sixty-five. Like he, right. <laughs> you know, he, he Dustin is guys like Dustin, especially. I mean, he can make so many birdies. Right. But yes, he can make a ten. So I'm take, I'm taking Ricky as like a dark horse pick. If I was gonna just pick someone who I thought actually would win, I would pick Jason Day, and I'm also I would pick uh, Dustin. It'll be interesting. They, you know, the. The knock against Rory lately at majors, he always has that one bad round. And it, it seems to be he ranks, you know, in the 140th uh, area in the third round. Uh, if he can, you know, stay away from that big number we saw in the Masters when he was, uh, now I forget, was he, was he, he was paired with Spieth. I believe so, yeah. And just played awful. And I believe it was Saturday. And just, you know, shoots himself out of the tournament. Again, I mean, you know, we all know what he can do if he stays away from, you know, that one bad round. So, yeah, he had that 77 they, on, on Saturday. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, what's what's great, now, I mean, as, as fun as it was, you know, watch, you know, history being made with Tiger Woods. And these days, 
there are legitimately well, I mean, you could say there's legitimately fifty guys that can win, but there, are, you know, a, there's a top, there's a group of ten guys that are so talented that they can, you know, when you, you put Ricky in there, and Ricky hasn't played that well, really, but yeah, you put him in there. I mean, he's just super talented, and that's what makes these tournaments fun. Now, as you, you know, Tiger was almost a foregone conclusion in a way. You were just watching Tiger to see if he could break records. Right. You were necessarily watching Tiger to win. Like, what what record is he going to break right. this week? Once, now we're just we're, we're watching to see who wins. In the event that he was out of the tournament, then it became sort of a new tournament. You're like, all right, well, now let's just see who else could win, who could win one. But now, yeah, every every week I it's, have no clue. Yeah. I, I mean, Makes me feel a little better about always being wrong. Yeah, I mean, as... You know, done a few of these fantasy golf leagues, and I seem to finish dead last <laughs> every year. So you rely way too heavily on Georgia Bulldogs, and that's the reason why. <laughs> Actually, I did take. Uh, they had some matchups, and they had Kevin Kisner versus Charlie Hoffman, and I took Kevin Kisner, who you for a long time did not even know played at Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping he can redeem himself and get <laughs> get him back in my good graces. I'm sure he doesn't care about that. He probably doesn't. So what about what about the uh, the amateur division? There's a couple interesting players uh, there. One for me, uh, a guy who was at Marquette he's at the not time. An amateur? No, he's not an amateur. I guess I. Well, that's that's a miss. That's a misspeak by my part. He's not an amateur. He just doesn't play on the PGA Tour. Uh, but Mike Van Sickle, apologies for in. calling you an amateur. But as we talked about last week on the podcast, he was an alternate and got in. Super exciting. Uh, Great player at Marquette when I was there. Uh, I played with him one time, which means now I've played with two U.S. Open qualifiers. Yeah. Nick Hardy and Mike Van Sickle. Um, and, uh, and it's awesome to see him. Well, okay. I did, for the record, I did not beat we were Nick on the Hardy same straight up. Beat Hardy. We beat him in a game in which we got strokes. Um, but uh, it's just really cool to see. He, he's He's... Kept grinding on that that uh, that mini tour life uh, longer than a lot of guys do. I think he's had some injury problems, um, but his game must be in pretty good form. If he, sh- I think he shot a 65 or something near it uh, in qualifying. Uh, didn't get in automatically in the playoff, but he's he got in uh, as an alternate, and now he's playing with Nick Hardy, as we talked about uh, earlier. Who, of course, will also be a lot of fun to keep track of. Yeah, I, I mean, this is what... Nick Hardy actually is in the amateur division. He is in the amateur <laughs> division. I mean, this is what makes guys like Mike Van Sickle, you know, or that extra element that makes the U.S. Open special. I mean, guys, you can qualify for it, if, of course, if you have a you know, certain handicap index. Um, I mean, there are 80, 70, 80 spots that are open for qualifiers. You know, yes, a lot of them do go to PGA Tour players that go there and, and qualify. But, you know, you have a handful of guys like a Mike Van Sickle, who's a you know, career mini-tour guy, can get in the U.S. Open. And guess what? I mean, if he makes a cut, has a, a nice little run, you know, maybe it doesn't get him any really extra status, but maybe it gets him an extra sponsor. Sure. You know, now this is a guy that, you know, people were watching on TV at a spirited third round. You know, underdog. You know, maybe Titleist is like, here's another twenty grand for your hat. And I bet he could figure out a way to get a story written about him. Yeah. So, and then you have, you know, you know, the amateurs like Nick Hardy, and this is his second 
uh, you know, guy that has designs on one day playing out here all the time. Um, so it's and the U.S. Open's a is, is a unique uh, golf tournament in that respect. Well, I know that you are an unrepentant Nick Hardy homer, uh, so I say two round wager for the two rounds that they actually stared each other down. You know, Thursday, Friday. Well, I'll tell you, how about this? One beer for the stroke, the margin of stroke. One beer for margin of strokes. Ooh, that's interesting. It could get out of hand in a hurry. Well. What happens on a withdrawal? Well, I mean. Does the other person, does, since, one, since one person wouldn't shoot, hit any shots the next day, and the other person's going to hit probably 70-something, then you get 70-something beers. <laughs> We'll say it with Charles, just the one. Beer. All right, one beer for the stroke margin. I will take my boy Mike Van Sickle. You can have Nick Hardy. Yeah. No, Done. no texting. You're more in contact with Nick Hardy than I am with Mike. So no texting him to say just you know kind of keep it close if you can. Don't don't go no, for it. On, don't go for it on seventeen. I'm gonna be texting <laughs> Nick's dad to pay some guy to heckle Mike Van Sickle. So is it worth it for you? <laughs> hey, I'll do anything for beers. <laughs> All right, that's we've heard the terms. We'll have to update our listeners on uh, on on the outcome. Uh, but really cool to see both those guys. And I think you uh, you're taking Nick Hardy as your low finishing amateur, right? It was it was fun how last year he factored into the tournament so heavily because didn't he set the cut line? Yeah, I, in fact, I, ta- I I asked Eric about that. I said he was sort of a, a local hero among you know PJ Tour players because uh, I think a late bogey changed the cut line and got you know quite a few a guys, bunch of guys in. in. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, he's like, there was definitely some you know back slapping <laughs> for Hart. He's like, ah, oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. No, that was lost on Nick. Uh, so yeah, any other uh, any other amateurs who you think uh, have a decent shot? Well, a guy. I mean, I you, I wish I knew. I probably should have looked this up. Next teammate at Illinois, Charlie Danielson. I'm I wonder if this is his pro debut. He might be playing as an amateur uh, this week. He's a heck of a player um, as well. A guy from Texas, shoot. Uh, Soft, maybe a sophomore, Scotty Scheffler. Scheffler's in there, a yeah. A Western. What about amateur. John Rahm? John Rahm. This might be Rahm's pro debut. So we might have, might have to scratch him from the amateur well, ranks. Well, he's got a parentheses A. Okay, excuse And me. I've already made one mistake on amateurs versus pros, so I'm not willing to admit another. If it's listed as an A, then he's an amateur. <laughs> I know he's then going to make it um, you know, very soon. But, the, I mean, these college guys are, as Bryce said, many, many times sort of semi-professionals. Sure. You know, it's it's not amateur as in you and I are amateur players that somehow have, you know, catch, you know, the best round of our lives and qualifiers and somehow, you know, sneak in to US Open and are going to shoot 95-95. I mean, these guys, you know, while they might not, you know, be contenders, if they, they certainly uh, are legitimate uh, players, um, I could not imagine. I was asking uh, Eric what he, th- you know, thinks I can shoot. Or just like a regular amateur, that happens to be a pretty decent player, you know, five six handicap. And he's like, "Well, I don't really know your game," but uh, he was being nice. I-, I asked him if I could break a hundred, and frankly, I'm not sure I could. You hit it in the rough, you're done. I'm sure that you couldn't. Yeah, 
The, first of all, for you, uh, 7,100 yards is long. It's too long. It's long. Uh, and I'd have to be perfect off the tee. Right. And I'm and, I, and I'm not saying this against you. I could oh, not, no. I could not either. And I can't break I can't break a hundred barely on like a regular course right now. <laughs> like you know uh, some local muni, and I'm sure I can't do it at Oakmont. And that really that I mean that really sh- tells you the difference between you know these guys. I, I played with uh, some friends a couple of weeks ago, and they're very nice about you know praising my game and how good I am and I shot maybe like six over, seven over. It's a way different ball game. Like, yeah. oh you can play at the US Open. I can't play at the US Open. And I think that you know, I, I would I would think that once they get those greens going too, you would have a many most amateurs don't hit the ball with the right ball flight to even get those the ball to stop on those greens. No. I mean you would you 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 hit the fairway, sure, but then you hit an iron shot that would normally be pretty good and I would bet that you're going to have trouble getting it to hold. Yeah, I mean, you hit in the rough. Even if you hit probably four average shots, you still might make a double. Yeah. I mean, I would think probably a double, averaging a double a hole is probably, I mean, what's that, 36 over? So that would be 106. (laughs) Nice round. (laughs) Nice, thanks. (laughs) I mean, if I'm staring down the 485-yard par-4 first hole, I'm looking at somebody and I'm like, can we play somewhere else? <laughs> that's a six-best case scenario because that's generally a par-5. And they say the yeah. – I mean, it's it's a down – your second shot even, uh, though it's downhill, it makes it that much harder to hold the green. Right. Because I believe it, it slopes from front to back. Nice. It's like, how could you make this any harder? Uh, and then imagine if it's a front pin location. And that's how you start your day. And that's how you – yeah, that's – you start. You better your hope you're starting on ten. Shoot, I mean, I yeah, I don't know. What, I'd have to look at ten. Maybe ten's not any better. <laughs> but yeah, it's, so it, these you have to have some appreciation. I, I know people love, you know, watching these pros make doubles and stuff. But you know, look at yourself and you would make a ten. Exactly. You know, on those those holes. So they're still way different game. Way better than you. And I know, and I know that I came to that realization a long, long, long time ago, <laughs> uh, playing with. You know, a guy that was on the Champions Tour. You know, a guy, I hit the ball farther than him, and he routinely beat me by five shots. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just a whole whole different game there, which is what makes it fun. I mean, you know, knowing that there's some comparison out there, but knowing that uh, I could never, and I, and I wouldn't even want to try, to be honest with you. Right. It wouldn't be that much fun to be that guy shooting 100 at the U.S. Open. You don't want to be a, a pacer? No. I don't want to be pulled into the media room to be <laughs> the guy that... We have the, we have the first guy that ever shot 100. <laughs> I wonder if anybody shot 100. At a U.S. Open? I would think it, it has, it's definitely had to have happened to some guy, some poor guy who careered it to get in and was just... Uh, what did Roy McAvoy shoot in his first round? Not not a hundred. McAvoy, <laughs> tin cup. <laughs> oh, a fake player. <laughs> yeah, a fake player. Uh, anyway, uh, it seems like we're sort of running out of real players to talk about. So let's uh, let's go to Eric Marcus uh, with Matt Harness talking about uh, Nick Hardy and uh, and the U.S. Open sort of in general. Okay, hey, uh, we're here with Eric Marcus. He is 
out at Oakmont Country Club, uh, second U.S. Open in a row on the bag for Nick Hardy. Uh, Eric, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's about time. Uh, you know, yeah. we've we've known each other maybe as long as I've known Nick. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, you know, always it, it's always curious to get you know sort of the inside scoop uh, from the caddy. They they always seem to have all the <laughs> the, the best stories. But so you you're from Northbrook, and you are now you went to Glenbrook North, and you're now a sophomore. Uh, or excuse me, finish your sophomore year at Arizona. How how did you and Nick meet each other? Um, we grew up playing uh, baseball together since we were uh, nine years old. We were on the same travel baseball team. And then since then, uh, Nick's dad was actually the coach that year. And then we played up till probably we were, I played up until I was 13, I think. And his dad was the coach every single year. And he was playing golf, obviously, at the same time. But then probably three, four years ago, when he knew he was getting, I mean, when he was started to play in all these amateur tournaments, he asked me if I wanted to caddy for him, and I was just like, sure, like, I have no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll do it, and I uh, caddied for him, and we, I just stuck with it during that summer, and then I've been doing it every summer since, I think, three, four years ago. So was that, so maybe that was the summer after his junior year in high school, was that the first time he made the USAM? Um, yeah, I did, I did not caddy for him at the USAM, but it was that year. Okay, okay. Now, uh, were, did you grow up playing golf? You said you guys played baseball together. Did you ever play golf? Um, yeah, my dad was a big golfer, and I started. I, I, I didn't really grow up playing since I was like next age, but I, I've been playing for probably since for like five, five, six years. So since then, I've been playing a lot and very into it. Well, let's uh, just you know want to get you know into the the U.S. Open. Oakmont is you know a historic venue. I, this is their ninth U.S. Open, which is the most uh, of any course. Last year, of course, you were at Chambers Bay in Seattle, which hosted the U.S. Open for the first time. So you've kind of been on both ends of some history here uh, at at U.S. Opens. What what is what are your impressions of Oakmont? Oh, I I mean. Nick said it too. I think it's like the it's the hardest course I've ever seen. I'm sure same with Nick. Like the first hole today, he hit it in the like Charlie hit it in the rough. Nick hit it into the bunker, and you could probably advance it 20 yards at most. And I just I've never seen anything like it. The rough out there, the bunkers out there. I think if, if you're in, if you're in the rough out there in the um, off the fairway, if you're in the fairway bunkers, there's no chance you're gonna hit the green and. Like good luck making par, and I just never seen anything like that. But and I, I mean, I heard I think it was 2007 when Cabrera won it. Mm-hmm. The cut was 11 over, <laughs> and I think five he won it at five over. Right. So I don't know. I just and you never can, heard. And you can see why. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. I can see why. So I, it, think, I think Jordan said today he he'll he'll be happy with 75, 76. And that's like for him. I mean, for anyone really. Well, yeah, oh, he, really? That's so good, he's that's good out here. Wow. So five. So he said seventy-five, seventy-six. So yeah, be, five yeah. over. Okay. All right. Oh yeah. So it, it, the rough. Yeah, I've seen some uh, videos. Justin Thomas posted yeah. one. Um, I think Graham McDowell had maybe one from the the rough. I mean, how is it? 
can you see your shoes when you're stepping in? I know you can't see the ball. Right. Well, I mean, obviously some parts are worse than the others, but in the wor- I mean, everything's bad, but when it's like the worst, you you can't see the ball. I found I found a couple balls just off the green today that people <laughs> just didn't see that they just left and just moved on. So like, I mean, you have to yeah, you have to like look look in the rough to see it. If you walk by it, you're not going to see it. And it, like I said, if you're hitting a mid to long iron, like it's not going to go where you want it to go, and it's not going to go as far as you want it to go. And then the greens, I mean, you, I, you hear sort of horror stories about the pitch of these greens, and, you know, if you're not below the hole, uh, I mean, good luck two-putting. Is that also, you know, one of the defenses of this golf course? Because really it's not that long when you look at, you know, the, the U.S. Open venue links, um, you know, in past years, I mean, I think Chambers right. Bay was around 7,600. This is about 72. And there's some, you know, shorter par fours, but the, the greens – I heard are pretty diabolical. Oh yeah, I mean the greens are huge out here, and I mean you hit it in one spot, and it's it's gonna like wherever you hit it, it's not gonna stay there. It's gonna go to the back of the green, to the side of the green. Like some of the holes, like you hit, you hit it to the front of the green, it's gonna go off the back. So you have to land it in the fairway short, and if you're in the if you're in the um, in the rough off the fairway, you're not gonna be able to land it on the green because it's gone anyways. But yeah, it's pretty brutal. Is this so? What what are because this was I'm guessing this is the first look that, that the two of you have had of this golf course. Yeah. What are you What are you doing? What did you do today? Like what What's sort of the What was the game plan today? Uh, today we I mean we played 18 today. Some players played nine since because they've been there uh, already. But this is the first time we've been there, so we played all 18. We hit different shots off the tee to see where. I mean, obviously you have to be in the fairway no matter what. So pretty much what, I mean, even if it's a three iron off the tee, two iron, three wood driver. So we just try to find the best club off the tee. So most, so we're in the most, like the best spot out there. Cause even the fairways out there, if you hit them in the, like the wrong side of the fairway, it's going into the rough, going to the bunker. So you have to be, you have to be so precise out there. So even if you hit a great shot, like even if you're right off the, right off the fairway, that's still a good shot. Cause like with the wind and everything in the fairway slope, like you're not going to get you're not going to be in the middle of the fairway really ever. So we were just trying to see where the best spots were to hit it. And then the greens, just trying to putt, see where they could put the pin locations and just trying to do the best we can where we could land it and just putting around. Do you have to have, so, you know, you were next played a couple of U.S. amateurs, uh, which is run by the USGA, and then he's played the U.S. Open last year. And then again this year, I mean, do you have to, you guys talk about, just having, you kind of have to have the, the mindset like, hey, par is good. And, you know, a lot of places, yeah. you know, these pros and top, you know, amateurs like Nick, I mean, they, you know, want to make birdies. And But do you guys have conversations where sometimes bogey might be a good score on, on a hole? Oh, you have to oh, stay yeah, away definitely. just from that yeah, big number. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just making par out here will be great. But, like, me and Nick were talking, like, like three, four bogeys in a row. Like, you can't be mad at yourself. Everyone's going to do it. And, like, on some of these holes, like, 288, par 3. <laughs> what is, let me ask you this. What did he hit? So, today, what is what is he hitting into that par 3? He hit um, he hit a 3-iron because you, you have to land it short. Because you have to land it short of the green, hit a 3-iron. And he actually, he was probably 30 yards short. 
Um, but that's a good spot. Bad, yeah, that was a good spot, but I think he got a bad bounce because I watched the group uh, behind us, and where they were landing, it, it was going, bouncing, going through the green, and, like, I don't know how it stopped there, but so it stopped there, and he actually, I mean, the fairways are so pure out there, you could putt it pretty much, like, 30 yards off the, off the green, and he, he actually put it in from off the green. He made it? Yeah, he oh, made wow. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's, that's like that's tough, and that one's brutal. And then there's also um, six seventy par five. <laughs> Does he? Can, can Nick reach? I know he he's a long hitter. Can it, anybody yeah, talk can, of reaching yeah, that? I think he can reach it, but it's like it has to like even it, like the length is not a problem. It's just like putting it in the right spot, positioning. Yeah, right. And then I was watching uh, the Golf Channel today, just with their coverage and. One of the um, foreign players, I think it was maybe Aaron Oberholzer, was saying that there's a, you know, there's three shorter par fours that you know, given you know where they put the tee boxes, could be drivable or at least put you know the ball around the green. And there was one in particular, seventeen, uh, which I think plays three twenty from from the back. Is that is that one that you guys look at? and say, hey, maybe depending on the, the whole location, we might go for this? Because, as you said, the pitch of the fairway, even you know a, a layup shot off the tee might not give you the best approach into the green. Right, yeah. Actually, yeah, so, yeah, we just we got off the course probably like an hour ago, so we just played that hole. He, he actually had a driver, and he actually hit it over, he hit it in the back bunker, so past the pin. So, I mean, it's, that's, it's surrounded by bunkers, too. So. Right. If you're going for it, it's not going to stop on the green. So you're going to be in the bunkers, but depending on where the pin location is, the bunkers aren't bad, depending on which one you're in. With that big, well, I know there's one that I think is like at least 10 feet below the green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if it's a front pin and you're in the front bunkers, like, that's not the, the best spot, obviously. But if, if you're in those front bunkers and it's, and it's a back pin, that's not bad because you have green to work with. But also, he hit it over the green. If it's downwind, we were actually thinking about even three wood. But three wood, you got to like to go on the line of the green. You got to carry probably like two ninety bunkers that are yeah. short, like forty yards short of the green. And if you're in those, you're that's not where you want to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, just it, it's this as they keep saying, it's sort of a classic U.S. Open course. It's just hit the ball in the fairway first, right. and then just put it somewhere on the green. And as we've been talking about, par is almost like a birdie. I mean, you, oh, you yeah, take those. Absolutely. 18 of those what the what did you learn from last year you know at, at the US Open that you know you're apl- applying this year at, as a caddy what did you know whether it's you know a player or a caddy last year that gave you a couple of tips um, I mean you know now you're considered a veteran of this right yeah I mean last year definitely helped a lot to um, just be around these, I mean, be on the PGA Tour, be in a major championship. I mean, now it's not really, like, nerves anymore because we've been there, done that. and But now it's just just competing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, last year definitely helped with, like, especially, like, the U.S. like the US Open courses in the past. They're all, like, pretty similar. No trees. I mean, they're not similar, but, like, they're, they're hard. And no trees really just, just kind of like a link style like fescue, I mean the greens and all these the U.S. Open courses. So, I mean, I mean you can't, you don't know what the greens are going to do. But I think being there before and having greens like these, having fairways like 
uh, the ones this week, it's definitely helped. Who were who were some of the people last year? Um, did you were you able to talk to any caddies uh, during the practice rounds, or even you know during uh, the tournament? You were out there, you know, all week. I mean, Nick makes the cut. I, anybody that you were able to ask uh, advice from? Yeah, I mean, we played with uh, Robert Streb the first. Uh, I mean, for two days during the practice round. So, I mean, I was talking to his caddy. Um, I, I didn't go. I wasn't. I came the day after Nick did. But he talked to um, Robert Trent Jones, and so Nick, yeah, so I think he uh, talked, I mean, told Nick a lot about that course, but I don't, I mean, I mean, that course and other courses, but yeah, I mean, just playing with any PGA pros like today, um, Rafa was helping us a lot, and Timer, they're all very nice guys, and they're willing to help, and I mean, even, even if they don't know the course, just like course management about any courses in general. What was Martin Keimer like? He he won the the U.S. Open at Pinehurst yeah, two two years ago. I think that was yeah by yeah, by quite oh, a bit. Yeah, he was a, yeah a really nice guy. He he only played nine, so he left after the front. Oh but yeah, really nice guy. Talk, talking to Nick a bunch about college and stuff because he doesn't really get the whole American university thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, oh, yeah, really nice guy and just playing around and it was, it was fun I had him he I had him sign a ball after so he was a really nice guy what uh, so I mean two US Opens you you caddied did you caddy for him uh, this past week at uh, Ivanhoe for the Rust-Oleum Championship yeah yeah I did so and I know you've done a few Western Amateurs what, what's been your favorite moment uh, as a caddy uh, for Nick I mean just a whole, I mean, maybe a great yardage you gave him. Uh, what, what experience, I know there's probably a bunch of them, but what are a few experiences that stand out in your mind? Um, definitely um, the Western when you made the final four at Beverly, all those matches. I think he won, like, with five holes left, two in a row in the, in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. And then definitely last year at the US Open when you made the cut, just being there for the re- weekend around Oh, like just being just being there on a major weekend, it was unbelievable. If I if I remember correctly, he was a it, and I know that he probably would would hate to be you know rec- remembered for this, but he was a popular guy because he pushed that that cut down and got a few other guys in right, to the yeah, weekend. Exactly. <laughs> what about yeah. the, you know just, you know you're you're out there doing a job. But like last year, I mean, you know, as just a fan of golf, I mean, what what sort of thing did you buy? A bunch of, you know, memorabilia shirt. What what what, what, you, what did you buy out there to remember that oh, experience? Yeah. Well, well, caddies. I think caddies. I think it's we get twenty percent off from the merchandise. So, oh yeah, I, I bought like bought a ton of stuff. Now the same here at the end of the week. Because I mean, this is something. I mean, we've talked before. I mean. You guys are looking at this sort of long term as well. I mean, this you right. know, certainly you know golf can be a you know lucrative career. I mean, are you what are you studying at, at Arizona that you know once you're done and you know if everything works out that will help you do this as a as a full time job? Yeah, I'm studying a sports and society right now, and I'm also um, helping out the golf team there. So and I. Uh, I, knew, I know the coach there through Nick because Nick actually uh, went there on a visit for college. And so 
I went to talk to him and I just wanted to be involved with the golf team there. In, in what so, capacity? What do you do, what have you been doing? Uh, just helping out their home tournaments. They hosted a regional this year, so I was there helping them out, helping the coach out, and just doing stuff for him in, inside and outside his office and stuff. Did you ever think, I mean, it, you know, you say you picked up the game five years ago, but you've known Nick for a long time. Is this, you're, what are you, 20 years old? 19. 19. I mean, it, it must seem somewhat yeah, surreal for you, I mean, the, yeah, to be at this position. Be, yeah, I would never think I would be catting um, on the PGA Tour, let alone 19 years old. This is my second U.S. Open with Nick, and I can't, I'm like, it's unbelievable that he's, qualify for two U.S. Opens, just, it's crazy, like, I mean, it's like last year, we played the U.S. Open, and we come back, and play, like, the Illinois Am, the Illinois Open, so it's just, like, so crazy how different it is, and how, how, how he's got to that position. I mean, you guys are kind of rock stars in this state. Right, yeah. <laughs> What's, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, known Nick, I think since his freshman year in high school, you know, I mean, sort of a, you know, maybe from you know the outside looking in, you know, seems sort of very one track mind golf, 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 golf. But well, what is what is you know, as someone who's known him for a long time, what's he what's he like off the courses, uh, or is it just golf, golf, golf off the course? Uh, no, I mean no, he's not. He's obviously he's got a life outside of golf, but I mean he never takes a day off golf. But yeah, he's just the goofy kid, just loves to have fun and just. I mean, golf obviously is, is his main focus, but he does a bunch of stuff. Had lot like hangs out with his friends. Loves loves to have fun outside of golf when he can. How about you? What What are you doing when you're not uh, thinking about golf and caddying for Nick in the summer? Um, I'm I'm just hanging out. I'm actually caddying at Knollwood in Lake Forest. Yeah. Whenever I get whenever I get a chance. Oh, okay. So, it's just separately. Yeah, yeah separately. Okay. Yeah, just uh, just go there and just. When Nick's off, I mean, because I, I mean, this weekend, I mean, the last two weeks, I like wasn't really on the schedule at the beginning of the summer because he heard about the sponsor exemption Ivanhoe probably two weeks ago, a week before the tournament, and then we obviously we obviously didn't know we were playing in the U.S. Open until last Monday or this Monday. Yeah, the Monday after the NCAA. Right, right, exactly. So I mean, I didn't, we didn't know. We were coming here or the week before this, and so I'm just a lot more than I thought, but it's the best. Well, so, well, well Knollwood, uh, of course, will be hosting the, the Western Am right. uh, later this summer. Give us a, 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 you know, sort of a preview of the golf course. I've, I've never been out there. What is What type of course is it? Yeah, it's a great course. I mean, Nick said he played there a while ago, but since then, I think they... I've heard they cut down a bunch of trees because this year is the first time I've been there, and he said he played there a couple years ago. So I mean, I mean, I think if I mean th- their defense is going to be growing the rough because there's barely any water, barely any out of bounds, and barely any trees really that you're going to get in trouble with. But I think if they lengthen the tees and uh, grow the rough, it's going to be a test. But I think they're going to be definitely low scores out there. What? Uh... Is it is it a but it's it's not it's not a longer course you said and actually that seems when you mentioned cutting down trees Oakmont cut down a bunch of trees I hear you know some courses around here you know cutting down trees this must be somewhat of a trend to uh, it, I think it makes it harder when 
you know, especially greens aren't framed by trees. It, it sort of messes with your depth perception. Right, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, out here today, there's there's no trees out here. I, I mean, last year, there's no trees, just the U.S. Open. They just, not no tree co- courses. What, and where are you staying? Are, are you staying in Pittsburgh, or are you staying? Yeah, we're staying in the city, um, in Pittsburgh, just the host hotel where probably most of the players are staying here. So what, are you going to be able to in, enjoy the city of Pittsburgh at all? I know, I, I believe the Pirates are out of town, but I heard that's one yeah, of the best ballparks. That. That's the first thing Nick said, because Nick loves baseball. But yeah, they're out of town, and they're, the stadium's actually like two minutes away from here. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. But we, yeah. I mean, go out to dinner, like in the city, and yeah, try yeah. and... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, tonight we'll probably just hang out at the hotel, because we got in at uh, like 3.30 this morning. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, tomorrow, the next day, I'm sure, if we get done early, we'll, yeah, we'll go out and hang out. Well, just lastly, so, I was looking through, and, I mean, the the U.S. Opens at Oakmont have produced, you know, some of the the greatest, you know, champions uh, the game has known. Ben Hogan won, Jack Nicklaus won, Johnny Miller, I mean, maybe unbelievably shot 63 there. Uh, Ernie Els won in 94, and then in 2007, Angel uh, Cabrera won at five over just from seeing the golf course one time uh, in you know not knowing <clears throat> what the weather may do what would just what's your prediction for the winning score do you think it will be over par oh yeah 100 percent yeah 100 percent okay 100 percent yeah definitely I'd be shocked if it's not <laughs> okay yeah what uh what, what what could somebody like me shoot out there can I break a hundred um Probably. Don't you don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer uh, that. I, I mean, I don't know your game, but I definitely can't bring a hundred out here. Uh, yeah, no, I was listening to um, the PGA Tour radio, and there was a guy that called in from Pittsburgh, and uh, he wasn't a member, but he said he'd played there, and he was a scratch golfer, and he had trouble breaking ninety. Yeah, so uh, I mean, that's what could. Be, yeah, I mean, if you're in the wrong spot, it's it's tough. It's very tough. Well, terrific. Well, Eric, well, thanks uh, for taking uh, the time here. I'm glad uh, you know we got a chance to catch up and appreciate your insight here. And as always, we'll be rooting for uh, you and Nick to uh, do very well um, yeah, out there. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Can't wait thank to you. can't wait to watch it out there and yeah, give uh, give Nick my best. And Eric, yeah. uh, we'll talk to you uh, soon. We'll see and definitely right. see you at the Western Amateur. Oh yeah, definitely. I'll see you there. All right, Eric. Thanks again. Thanks to Eric for taking the time, and good luck to him and Nick this week. Certainly not too much luck, but, you know, uh, a good night of drinking behind Mike Van Sickle. It would be nice if they both shot, uh, say they should both shoot 65, 65, and then Van Sickle shoot 66. I get, oh. a, I get a beer. <laughs> and they'll both be leaving. So. Oh, so, and we're ending this going into the weekend, right? Or are we going well, through the entire thing? Let's t- say if they get to the weekend. However many rounds both of them play. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. Uh, it also, you know, the cool thing about uh, U.S. Open, obviously, always that it ends on Father's Day. Uh, it's a tradition in my family to sit around and, and watch the final round, uh, watch people hack it around with Dad. Um, my dad, not a big golfer, uh, but enjoys watching the U.S. Open. So, uh, Matt, I know your dad, you know, is a big golfer as well. And yeah, no. Formative I mean, on you for, for your golf career. Yeah, no, he also enjoys you know, sitting around watching, he does, as I mentioned earlier, takes great pleasure in watching these guys struggle. <laughs> they make too much money. It should be hard. 
So happy Father's Day uh, to all dads. Happy birthday to Matt Harness, who will you know be celebrating his birthday probably as this podcast is going to post. How are you celebrating? You're just going to start drinking at like 9 a.m. Go through the rest of the day. <laughs> no, I wish. Settle no. to a bar and watch the entire co- all the coverage. No, I'll be watching the coverage at home, doing various things and going out to have some steak for dinner tomorrow. There you go. And then I'll probably, you know, ramp it up on Friday. <laughs> I'm going to go to, uh, you know, play some poker that night. So probably right. a few beers. I'll probably crack a beer in the Friday afternoon. Maybe at some point, yeah. Uh, Nick Hardy and uh, Mike Vanzuckel, I think, go off just before 7 a.m. Uh, tomorrow. tomorrow, yeah. So <laughs> it'll be pretty early. Probably they'll be finishing up right about the time you wake up. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so which means on Friday they'll, you know, have, you know, an afternoon group by I hope they get you know maybe a, a shot on TV, but possibly. I mean, Nick almost hold out that on that drivable par yeah. four last year. Uh, he hit the flag stick, I believe. So <laughs> I think he got himself a couple seconds of fame there. Um, I will be interested. The Fox coverage, you know, they did it last year for the first time. Be interested to see if they, you know, what sort of changes you make. I know that you didn't like all the graphics, and I would agree. Too many graphics. But I do like the Pro Tracer. And I think the Pro Tracer is on. Gosh, every. Maybe all but two holes. Yeah. I like that off the tee. It no, makes it absolutely. way easier to see. Absolutely. But you're right. I, they, we'll see if they tone the down more, the graphics. The more Pro Tracer on everything but chips and putts, the better, I think. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they, I don't need everything, you know, showing digitally where the green bends and, you know, it was just too much. There is, can be, a, you know, some overkill. But it was their first crack at it last year. I'm sure they will refine and... Try to get a little better. I know uh, there was a lot of feedback uh, around that. And Paul Azinger so. replaces Greg Norman. He, probably you know, as, unlike Norman, who didn't have an opinion on anything, Azinger has an opinion on everything. Yeah. So we'll see if you know people like that. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. I mean, I think there is somewhere in the neighborhood of ten hours of TV coverage. Plus, there's some online extras where you can follow some featured groups. I certainly know I won't be doing any work on Thursday or Friday, so. Well, good. <laughs> All right, that's it for uh, this episode of Teeing Off Golf Podcast. Uh, I'm John Borneman for Matt Harness. Enjoy the U.S. Open. <laughs>